This is Woman on Top, and I'm your host, Haley Rice. Joining me today is Brittany Paz, who is a criminal defense attorney at Ruane Attorneys in Connecticut. Welcome, Brittany. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Very excited. I'm so excited you could join us. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you um, got into criminal defense work? Sure. Um, So I defend um, people accused of crimes, any crime ranging from motor vehicle offenses all the way up to murder. I worked on murder trials and I worked on cell phone ticket trials. So uh, anything and everything between. Um, I got into this uh, in law school. So I've always wanted to be a lawyer. Um, You know, some people go through life not really knowing what they want to do, but kind of from a really young age, my parents really uh, instilled in me, you know, that being a lawyer is probably better than being president. Um, You know, they, they kind of put that profession on a pedestal and it stuck with me. And so my whole life, that's really all I wanted to do. But I didn't really know what type of law I wanted to do until I got to law school. And then as it usually happens, you have that one really good teacher. I'm sure you did too. Um, Absolutely. There, so I had uh, a really great criminal law professor at uh, Quinnipiac Law School. Um, and I, you know, one all year, you know, is just so boring. And you sit through torts and contracts <laughs> and you just, you just want to shoot yourself. And it's amazing. You make it out of the one all year, just through sheer boredom, but then you sit through criminal law and it really resonated with me how the things I learned in that class and the things that were happening to people were real, were, uh, things that actually mattered, you know? So when people start talking to me about, oh, you know, I got hit in the back with a car and I want money damages because my back hurts and my neck hurts, my eyes start to glaze over because I have people that are fighting for their livelihoods, their families, their freedom. Um, And those are kind of things that actually mean something. And so after that, I um, had a number of really great, um, professors and law school. I took all the criminal law classes. And then I started to do, you know, internships and externships with the public defender's office. So uh, pretty much right after one all year, I knew I wanted to do this. And I've just kind of stuck with it ever since. Um, out of law school, I started, I don't know, you work, you're, you work in Connecticut. There's a attorney here called Norm Pattis. I worked with Norm Pattis for five years. He's a pretty big name in criminal defense as well. Um, and then I went out on my own for a year. <laughs> Uh, and now I'm at Romaine's office. So that was kind of my career trajectory up to this point. Very good. So, you know, I'm not too familiar with the criminal defense side. That's one area of law that I've never worked in. I've, I've kind of ran the gamut on a bunch of other areas. Um, but my understanding is that there's not a whole lot of women on the criminal defense side. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your experience being, you know, kind of the lone woman in the room a lot of your career. It really is. It's pretty lonely. Um, So I joke around uh, that, you know, when I go to court to wait to speak to the prosecutors about my cases, usually all the uh, all the attorneys sit in one area and wait for their turn to be called. And, you know, 10 attorneys, 10 criminal defense attorneys will be in a room and all of them are old white men except for me. So, um, you know, in the public defender side of things, there are a lot of criminal defense attorneys that are female. Um, but being a private attorney is a little bit different and it's way more difficult. And, um, you know, the reason is because when you have a public defender, obviously you're, you're 
poor, you're at the poverty level, so you qualify for public defender. These are people that really can't choose their attorney. So you're given an attorney, and if it so happens to be female, you know, it is what it is. You're stuck with it. The judge isn't going to take the person off because you don't like the fact that you're working with a woman. Uh, but when you're a private criminal defense attorney, these are people who are choosing their attorneys, are choosing amongst uh, all the other attorneys that are men. Uh, big names in this state, all of whom are men. Um, there are a few female criminal defense attorneys, um, you know, Tara Knight's a big name. She's, uh, she's been around for, uh, for a long time and she's an excellent attorney. Uh, she's one of the role models in the, you know, New Haven County area for criminal defense. Uh, but you know, she's of the prior generation. So, I mean, I say prior generation, you know, she worked in the, you know, early nineties, two thousands, and now she's kind of on the back end of the game. Um, I'm kind of just coming into this. And as far as private criminal defense attorneys that are female, there really aren't a lot of them. Um, and so in the beginning of my career, I want to say there is a lot of hazing, um, even amongst other criminal defense attorneys really didn't get a lot of respect. Um, there are a few examples that come to mind. So uh, the attorneys will pretty much treat you like you're stupid until you prove otherwise. Whereas I'm sure if I was a man, they wouldn't really react that way. Um, one of the big examples uh, that I talk about often is um, I think it was my first year, second year associate, I was working on a sex case uh, on a trial and um, I was going to do the cross-examination of the primary complaining witness. And there's a lot of reasons for that, you know, um, and I'll, we could talk about this later about how I kind of specialize in uh, sex crimes and it's probably because I'm a woman, but um, my, my boss at the time knew that it was probably better for a woman to cross-examine a female sex assault complainant just uh, for perception purposes to the jury. Uh, so I go into chambers and I just, you know, wanted to give everybody a heads up. I um, talked to the judge and the state attorneys. Uh, listen, I just want to give you a heads up that I'm going to be doing the cross-examination today. And I was sitting next to the state attorney. She was a female uh, state attorney, older, probably in like her late 40s, uh, maybe early 50s. Uh, but you could tell like she she was really pretty, you know, when she was younger. Um, she leaned over to me. And she squeezed my cheeks and in front of everybody. And she said, oh, that's so cute. And I was like, horrified. oh, my gosh, I don't wow. know what to say. I was like, I couldn't believe what was happening. Um, and, you know, I think she realized it was wrong afterwards. I mean, obviously, she never apologized for it. But it's just a, an example of like, if I if I had a penis and I was a brand new attorney, that would never have happened. No. You know? Uh, um, it's just kind of like they treat you like you're you're stupid or they treat you like you're inexperienced until you prove otherwise. And it's just by sheer persistence that now that kind of stuff doesn't happen seven years later. But when you're first getting into the game, it's it's it, you know, it was really hard. In the Absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, an experience that a lot of women can relate to in, in a variety of different professional fields. So let me ask you, you know, where do you find the strength to carry on? through some of this, you know, belittling or kind of demeaning behavior. Um, when it happens day in and day out, it can really wear on you. So, you know, how do you maintain your focus when things like that are happening to you? Uh, good question. So 
There are a couple of factors that come into play, and it's depending on who you're dealing with. So there are issues that you have to deal with toward, you know, if the clients are behaving to you that way, um, and then if the state attorneys are behaving behaving that way. Um, so when the state attorneys behave that way, I, I don't really say anything. Uh, you know, there's a number of ways you could go about it and deal with it. You know, obviously, you can get pissed off and you can complain and you can yell and scream. And that's one way to do things. Uh, the other way is, um, you know, this is a very small bar. It's a very small state. Everybody hears everything. Uh, and, you know, if you have an altercation with a state attorney, uh, word gets around. And then also your clients in the future kind of suffer because of it, just because uh, you have a bad relationship with that state attorney. Now you go back for another case and they're always going to give you a crap offer. Uh, so you don't want your clients to suffer. So when it comes to state attorneys, I normally just kind of smile and nod. And then I prove to them that if you want to underestimate me, that's your mistake. So I had a state attorney once um, basically not prepare for um a probable cause argument. So I was doing bond arguments um, and there was a pretty obvious defect in one of the charges. And so I argued probable cause so that the issue was the guys were guys were drunk. They were in the street. They were throwing bottles, uh, beer bottles, and they're charged with breach of peace, which, OK, you know, you're at you're uh, making a ruckus in public. So that makes sense. But they're also charged with criminal mischief. So by the way, it sounds in the police report. The criminal mischief is the breaking of the bottles. But in order to be charged with criminal mischief, it has to be somebody else's property. And there was no allegation in the police report as to who the bottles belonged to. By all, by all accounts, it sounded as if the bottles belonged to them and they were just throwing their own bottles, right? And nothing else belonging to somebody else who's broken. So um, I asked the judge to have this probable cause argument and the, the state attorney kind of was just standing there, uh, didn't really know what to say. Um, didn't really know what to argue and was kind of shocked that I had thought about this argument and I had, you know, uh, wherewithal and the smarts to have thought this up myself, <laughs> you know, and then so she didn't really have a response. Um, and then she kind of huffs and, you know, walks off and, uh, you know, just slaps a post-it on the, um, on the file saying we need police reports. I'm like, but you don't have probable <laughs> cause for this charge, you know? Um, so it, it's for state attorneys, they will underestimate you. And I try to turn that to use it to my advantage. Right. So mm -hmm. now you're not prepared because you think I'm stupid. Right. Uh, so I'll do my job uh, and you'll just be shocked when it happens. So that's how I deal with the state attorneys. But clients are a little bit different. Clients are kind of, uh, well, you know what? I uh, am not hearing what I want to hear from you because I think you're stupid. So I want to talk to your boss who has a penis. Um, and that the person who has a penis will give me the response that I want to hear because they're smarter. Um, that's a little bit more difficult. It's kind of hard to continue to be nice to people when they <laughs> think you're stupid simply because you don't have a penis and then they want to go around you to go to somebody else and essentially get the same answer. So dealing with that though, you have to make sure that you're uh, working with people that have your back. So whenever that happens with a client, Jay always makes sure to tell them like, listen, 
you're not going to get a different answer from me. So I'm not even going to bother talking to you about this. Brittany has given you the answer. She's an experienced attorney. Uh, she's not wrong. Uh, and I'm not going to continue to have this conversation with you. So you just got to make sure that you're working with other people that have your back. I agree. That's so important. Right. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit to marketing. So, you know, you have a pretty robust, um, you know, marketing practice online over and above um, just the general marketing that Ruane. Well, that's all Jay. <laughs> that's all Jay. He is just a marketing whiz. He loves it. He, he is really uh, an inspiration when it comes to legal marketing. Um, but, you know, one of the first things that I, you know, came to observe about you is that you put out um, some videos on the Internet discussing, you know, current cases that are pending in criminal law and sort of your opinions about things. And, yeah. you know, in my experience, and I think in the experience of a lot of women, you know, putting a video of yourself out on the Internet to just sort of the open air feels like a really vulnerable thing. Um, have you gotten weird feedback on that? And, you know, talk to me a little um, bit about how that works for you. It was a, it was a risk for sure. That was Jay's idea. So essentially every day, not just me, but all of us, we come back from court and we're like, you have no idea what just happened. And just the ridiculousness of the system every day and the frustration that we have on, not only on our part, but on, on part of our clients. Um, and so one day Jay just said, he's like, every day you come back from court, you have something to say and you're ranting about something, just record your rants. I was like, that's a great idea. Um, and, but it could, it could go both ways. Cause, uh, you know, obviously I am female, um, and females kind of don't have license to do a lot of things that a man would necessarily do. Like, for example, um, if you speak your mind and you like, I, I'm, I'm not going to do it now. I'm holding back a little bit but <laughs> in my regular conversation I'm from New York I, I drop the f-bomb I'm cursing up a storm when I talk to my clients I'm leveling with you uh on a very in a very real way and sometimes that run rubs people the wrong way and like so I told you earlier I don't sugarcoat I uh you know I'm not putting things in the nicest way possible I'm putting things in in terms of the real world that you can understand. And if I was a man, it would come off a little bit better than if I was a woman. But like, for some reason in society, women don't have license to do the same things that men do. So the videos sometimes do rub people the wrong way. Um, but for the most part, I think that the feedback has been really positive. And the reason is because um, clients see that I have a, a unique perspective on things. B, I'm uh, I'm invested in my clients' cases, and they like to see that uh, that I'm getting emotional and pissed off right down there with them um, because they kind of feel like if you're emotionally tied to the case, you're going to get a better result for them on their behalf. So most mostly though, the videos have been really positive, and I've been getting a lot of um, you know circulation on the videos. That's great. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, a couple of times now that men and women have different licenses to do things. And, and it's harder as a woman to get licensed to speak your mind or to speak candidly. Any advice um, or can you talk to us about the process of, of how you sort of reclaimed your license? Is it just just do it and get over it? Or was that a process for you? Um, it's a it's a long process. So first off, um, when I first started, people were very turned off by my, you know, 
just me telling them like it is, um, calling people out on their BS. Um, like if somebody is telling me something that is flat out ridiculous, I'm going to tell you it's flat out freaking ridiculous. Whereas another woman would have been like, you know, would have just sat there meekly and said nothing. I'm like, no, I'm going to call you out on your BS. Um, so I had to kind of just bear it and push through it. And then over time, as you know, you gain your reputation, uh, I've been doing this seven years now. So um, if people are searching for criminal defense attorneys, you know, my name turns up pretty regularly. Um, I have a little bit more license and acceptance, but it was pretty hard in the beginning. <laughs> but, you know, and I'm sure every every female lawyer out there idolizes Justice Ginsburg. But I have to just say, you know, one of the quotes that she says is, uh, my mother told me to be a lady and to her that meant be yourself. So, you know, you have to play around with what the definition of lady is and for me it was just to I'm loud I um you know I curse I'm I that is what I am and I'm not going to change it for anybody so if you don't like it I'm sorry um but it, it time really has made it more accepting and better but in the beginning it was pretty harsh um, and to any, you know, potential client that expresses, you know, hesitance to hire a woman as a lawyer or, you know, for anybody that is going through the experience of picking up a client that isn't sure about whether a woman is the right choice for them. What, what do you say to those potential clients? Well, I do definitely talk to clients about, um, you know, the unique perspective that women bring to to cases. Also, um, I highlight my experience and also my relationships now with state attorneys. So it does take years to build relationships in these courthouses. Uh, as they see you more often, they are, you know, you, you build that relationship. So you, you tell them, hey, listen, I've worked in this courthouse for seven years. They know me. I know this state attorney. Um, also, you know, I said a little bit earlier that I kind of developed a little bit of a niche in uh, sex crimes. So for the cases where uh, the defendant is being charged with sex crimes, I tell them, you know, it is absolutely an advantage for you to have a female criminal defense attorney. If this case is going to trial, uh, your image is a little softer with the jury. If I, as a woman, sit next to you and I don't think you're a creep, it kind of says to the jury, oh, hey, maybe, well, he's not really a creep. Uh, and then maybe they're a little bit more open to the fa to the argument that you didn't do it. Um, also, you know, whereas men have, uh, you know, I don't have a license to do certain things that a man, a man would do. Vi the vice versa, the, the alternative is also true, where there's a female sexual assault victim uh, complainant. Uh, you know, a man really doesn't have the license to question that person in a certain way. Otherwise, you risk alienating the jury. And so it's always better to have a female do that because I may have a little bit more license to do it simply because I'm a woman. So um, I do talk to clients about the, uh, you know, the potential effect on their case for hiring me versus hiring a man. Um, and it's really sad that I have to do that, you know, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> but, but I do it on a regular basis. I do it. I, I mean, it's every day. Very good. Well, that brings us to, um, our time limit, Brittany, thank you so much for your thoughts today. I really appreciate your candor and, um, your perspective on, on getting out there and hustling and 
spitting the fire. So thank you so much for joining us and uh, best of luck on your future cases. Thank you. Thank you.